Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Abstract. How's it going, Derek? Pretty good. How are you, Dan? I'm good, though. Uh, not as good as you. I hear there's a new member of the family at home. Oh, yeah. I've adopted my family's 15-year-old turtle because my parents are selling their house. Well, that was very generous of you. What's it like? There's a lot of stress. It's a lot of late nights, sleepless nights. Um, yeah, it's really difficult, but also really, really rewarding. Anyone with kids can probably relate because it's like basically the same thing. Well, it sounds like somewhere between sourdough and a child. It's really fun, though. Um, like, honestly, my mom originally wanted to just like let the turtle go in a creek. <laughs> but like, honestly, that poor little thing probably would not have survived like two days. So I was like, all right, I'll take the turtle. The turtle can come live with me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like after you're domestic for 15 years, being let free, probably not a recipe for success. Maybe a recipe for some animal's delicious dinner, but probably not success. This turtle has it made. <laughs> All right, I think that's enough turtle talk. Time for some science. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a really interesting article to talk about that was published uh, this year in January in the journal Science called CAR T-cells produced in vivo to treat cardiac injury. What can you uh, tell us about where this article came from, Derek? Yeah, so this paper is from the Epstein Lab, which is in the Cardiovascular Institute, which is where I work um, at Penn. And this paper builds upon a prior paper that this group published and that we also covered on Beyond the Abstract, where they created these engineered T-cells called CAR T-cells to attack fibroblasts in the heart um, to prevent scarring in the heart after injury. Right. So before we get into it, can you remind us what fibrosis is? what they're trying to treat? Yeah, so fibrosis is just a general term we use for scarring, and it typically occurs after some sort of organ damage. So this can be ischemia, which is reduced blood flow. It can be after viral infection or bacterial infection. It can be from autoimmune attack. But just in general, it's a term we use for scarring. It can occur in all different sorts of organs, such as the heart, the lungs, the liver, and in the heart, we typically think of this as happening after a heart attack, where one of the main arteries that feeds the heart gets blocked and some of the heart muscle dies off. This can also occur after, you know, long-standing hypertension, where the heart is under a really increased load. And as a result, in order to kind of keep its structural integrity, fibrosis will also occur. So fibrosis is really a response to some sort of damage. So after this damage occurs, certain cells called fibroblasts get activated in order to build back the tissue. And it does this by secreting different types of proteins, such as collagen. Except in contrast to regular collagen, which is really organized, it's very structured, this collagen that is secreted by these fibroblasts is really disorganized. And its main role is just to kind of like fill that empty space of dead tissue. So while it's good at filling that space, in the process of doing so, it compromises some of the function of the heart. The heart is a little bit stiffer, so it's not as good as squeezing all of the blood out. And once there is fibrosis, are there easy ways to get rid of it? Like if you go into a cardiac clinic today in a um, mainstream medicine, are there easy ways to treat this? 
Once fibrosis occurs, we typically think of it as something that's irreversible. This collagen, as I mentioned, is really disorganized, it's really sticky, and it's really interwoven in between all of the other cells. So once it happens, we basically think of it as permanent and it's irreversible. And slowly the heart gets worse and worse in function until ultimately really the only way to treat it is to perform a heart transplant. Right. So it sounds like once the fibrosis is there, we typically think of it as permanent. And that was the big innovation of this CAR-T cell therapy approach for fibrosis, thinking of it as maybe a reversible condition. So can you remind us what CAR-T cells are and how they might treat fibrosis? So CAR stands for chimeric antigen receptor, and it's a type of engineered T-cell where this T-cell has been modified to recognize a specific target on a cell and to kill that cell. We call it a chimeric antigen receptor because the receptor is engineered so that the outside recognizes the target of your choice. You can really choose whatever you want. Um, for it to target, while the inside of the receptor instructs the T-cell to kill cells that recognize that target from the outside. You can really modify these cells however you want so that the outside portion recognizes any sort of target. CAR T-cells were first invented at Penn to treat incurable cancers. They were actually really, really effective at treating these patients. These patients that were essentially given like a death sentence were now all of a sudden getting better because of these engineered T-cells. And the process of making CAR T-cells is quite complicated. It involves taking a patient's own T-cells out, doing some sort of gene editing to them, often with CRISPR, in order to get them to express this chimeric antigen receptor, and then taking these T-cells and transfusing them back into the patient. And there's a lot of risks with this sort of therapy as well. Sometimes when we mess with the immune system, we can overexcite it, which results in all sorts of like autoimmune attacks. Um, and this can be dangerous for the patient. So there are risks involved in this therapy. That makes sense. So these CAR T cells, typically T cells are taken out of the patient, genetically engineered, and then put back in, which has a lot of potential side effects. So what's the relationship between CAR T-cells and mRNA gene therapy? mRNA gene therapy is a really exciting and novel method of modifying cells and delivering instructions to the cells to do whatever we want them to do. And I think most people have probably heard about mRNA gene therapy in the context of the COVID vaccine, which utilizes mRNA gene therapy to deliver instructions on how to fight the coronavirus to our immune system. We know that vaccines have been really, really effective in preventing severe disease or infection by coronavirus. I think once this mRNA gene therapy really took off and we saw how effective it was and how kind of easy it is to make new therapies, people started thinking, are there opportunities to modify T-cells to potentially attack other targets? So I think I see where we might be going, that Typically, with CAR T cells, we have to take them out of the body and engineer them and put them back in. But potentially, with mRNA gene therapy, we can deliver the mRNA to T cells in the body already and instruct them to go after fibrosis. Is that the idea? 
Yeah, exactly. So that really bypasses one of the major steps of creating CAR T-cells, which is having to take the T-cells out to edit them and to put them back in. But of course, doing something within the actual organism comes with its own set of challenges. In a dish, we are able to really control everything about how cells grow, what we're feeding them, even how much oxygen or humidity we're exposing them to. So it's a very controlled environment. Whereas being able to effectively create something so complex, like a CAR T cell within an organism, is pretty difficult. There's a lot of variables in order for this sort of therapy to be successful. But as I mentioned, this paper really builds upon another paper that this group published, um, I think just one or two years ago. And two of these big concerns raised by a lot of people in regards to this paper is, one, CAR T-cells are difficult to make and essentially have to be customized for every single patient because it involves taking the patient's own T-cells. This is really expensive, it's really time-consuming, and ultimately when it goes to market is a very, very expensive therapy. And the second thing is I mentioned that these T-cells are often modified by CRISPR genome editing. So this is a permanent alteration to the cell's DNA. So do we really want to put back into the body cells that have been permanently altered? especially from CRISPR, we call these off-target effects. And there could be potentially things like these cells have the wrong gene edited by mistake, and now all of a sudden they're growing out of control in basically a cancer-like fashion. And I could also see that even if the T-cells were correctly engineered outside of the body and had the correct genome editing, that these cells are instructed to go after fibroblasts, which, as you mentioned earlier, are part of the normal wound healing process. So you could imagine that if these T cells hang around for a long time, then it might be problematic if your normal wound healing process has an obstruction by these T cells, as opposed to T cells that are just going after the fibroblasts in heart fibrosis and then calling their job done. One of the keys for making CAR T cell therapy successful is you really have to engineer these T-cells to recognize one specific target on one specific type of cell. And it's better if this target is not on any other sort of cell. Otherwise, this T-cell is going to kill those cells too, which is not necessarily something that we want. It sounds like what they were after was to try to, in vivo, meaning in the patient, use an mRNA gene therapy to temporarily instruct T cells to go after fibrosis. So how did they start this process of developing this approach? The first step in this is creating some sort of drug that will actually transform T cells into a CAR T cell. The first step is deciding what do we actually want to target. In their last paper, the authors identified a specific target on fibroblasts that are expressed by fibroblasts, but only after heart injury. And this target is called FAP or FAP. It stands for fibroblast activated protein, a very fitting name. So they created a lipid nanoparticle drug that encapsulates this mRNA, and this instructs T-cells on how to create a receptor that recognizes and kills cells that have FAP. Theoretically, once injected, T-cells will 
engulf and take up this lipid nanoparticle, the mRNA is released, and the cell will now have the instructions on how to make this chimeric receptor. So when they actually tried to do this in a mouse, they saw that these CAR T cells appeared as quick as 24 hours. But the other really cool thing they saw was that they actually went away after seven days. So really, it's a temporary CAR T cell. That sounds like a really important advance that they were able to show that they could temporarily create these CAR T cells in the mouse, that they were there for a little while and then went away. So creating these modified T cells is great, but how did they test to see that these modified T cells went after the problematic fibroblasts? That's a great question. So it's important to make sure that these modified T cells are actually targeting the right cells. You don't want these T cells attack accidentally attacking heart muscle cells or skin cells or eye cells like that. That would be very, very bad. So they confirmed that these CAR T cells specifically killed cells with FAP. They isolated these CAR T cells from the mice, put them in a dish with cells that express FAP, and using a bunch of cool imaging techniques, they could physically see these T cells attacking these FAP cells and basically engulfing them, gobbling them up, and killing them. That is really cool that they could physically see the interaction. So the ultimate goal is to treat fibrosis in the heart. And how did they look to see if these cells were able to enable that? Remember, at the end of the day, the goal of this drug is to prevent fibrosis. And fibrosis is bad because it compromises heart function. It prevents the heart from squeezing well and pumping out blood. So they wanted now to test if this drug can actually treat cardiac fibrosis. So they turned to a mouse model in which they induce fibrosis by putting the heart under a ton of stress. And you can basically think of this as like hypertension times like a million. And these mice, they lose around 20 to 30% of their heart function. So for each pump, of the heart, they're pumping out 20 to 30% less blood, which is a you know really significant amount. They delivered this drug to these mice in which they induced fibrosis. And the first thing they saw was that it reduced the amount of fibrosis within the heart. So there's a lot less of this disorganized collagen. But most importantly, they were actually able to rescue the ability of these hearts to pump blood. That's so cool. So it sounds like in summary, they were essentially able to administer a vaccine to these mice with cardiac fibrosis and treat their cardiac fibrosis through creating CAR T cells in the body of, of the mice themselves. Yeah, exactly. So how big of an advance do you think this is? On the one hand, the outcome of this is the exact same as their previous paper, where they created the CAR T cells outside of the body, then put them back in and treated fibrosis. And in both cases, the fibrosis was treated. But the way they created the CAR T cell and the duration of the therapy was quite different. Do you think this is a big deal? Yeah, this is a huge deal. The ability to create a CAR T cell within an organism, rather in a dish, is is huge. It saves a lot of time and a lot of effort, 
and you don't need to customize this therapy for every single person. Theoretically, every single person could get the same exact drug and it would work the same in every single person with their own immune system. And remember, this is really only one application of in vivo CAR T cells. This opens the door to treating a lot of other things too. Like we can potentially even create CAR T cells that target the coronavirus in patients who have not been vaccinated but are now as a result experiencing severe disease. And we're able to potentially do this because um, these T cells seem to appear really, really quickly after only 24 hours. Whereas when we get a vaccine, it often takes, you know, weeks and weeks for antibodies to appear and to be able to effectively um, prevent us from getting disease. I agree. I think this is pretty mind-blowing because at a high level, what you're doing with these mRNA vaccines is you're giving the immune system an instruction to go attack something you want it to attack. It could be the coronavirus. Here it's fibrosis in the heart, but it could also be a cancer cell or anything else. And I think that the ease of administration of just essentially a vaccine with the coded instructions for the immune system is really simple and elegant and, and powerful. So an important question here is how safe do we think this is? That's the major question. At least in the short term, in these mice, there didn't seem to be any sort of major side effects. And I think I mentioned previously that the fear with traditional CAR-T therapy is that these cells are permanently altered and can sometimes stay in your body for a while. Theoretically, this sort of transient CAR-T cell that they describe in this paper would go away after seven days and should have a much higher safety profile than traditional CAR T cells. But of course, no long-term studies were conducted in these mice and definitely not in humans. So this would be something that's really important to assess before we start experimenting um, with human trials. That's great. Well, I think this is really exciting and uh, it sounds like we should all go buy Moderna stock and uh, be done with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would put my money on this type of therapy becoming very, very common within the next decade. I think we'll really see an explosion with mRNA technology being able to treat a bunch of different diseases that were previously thought to be untreatable. Yeah, I think the the convergence of biology and sort of computational approaches is really exciting. And I mean, here, these mRNA vaccines are essentially a code that you can program into the mRNA to instruct the immune system to do whatever you want. And this definitely feels like an exciting new direction in biology. Totally. Great, Derek. Well, uh, thanks for sharing this awesome paper with us and talk soon. Yeah. See you later, Dan. 